Welcome to Modern Family Matters, a podcast devoted to exploring family law topics that matter most to you, covering a wide range of legal, personal, and family law matters with expert analysis from skilled attorneys and professional guests. We hope that our podcast provides answers, clarity, and guidance towards a better tomorrow for you and your family. Here's your host, Steve Altitian. I'm Steve Altitian, Director of Client Partnerships of Pacific Cascade Legal. And today we have our lead paralegal, Lisa Parsons, to talk about what should you expect from the statutory discovery process. Lisa, how are you doing today? I'm good, Steve. How are you? I'm doing well. And today's topic is a little bit legal. <laughs> and of course, it's got the word statutory in it, which means it's the state regulates it. So let's just kind of start before talking about the statutory stuff. What discovery in general means? What is it? Discovery is the term that we use in the legal industry to talk about financial information and assets. So uh, when we say discovery, we mean things like property deeds, uh, bank statements, investment account statements, um, you know, mortgage insurance, basically any record that discloses information about your assets and your liabilities. So how does that get started? What kind of process gets the discovery stuff going? So in a case for dissolution of marriage or legal separation, the courts, you know, the state mandates that parties exchange certain financial records within 30 days of filing their first appearance in the case. So if you file a petition for dissolution of marriage, uh, you'll need to immediately begin gathering and disclosing records about your assets and uh, liabilities. The other party has to do the same thing and each party exchanges this information and evidence to disclose things that are important for their divorce. And this is required in every divorce. That's correct. Oftentimes, attorneys will expand on the statutory requirement where they will want more records, but at a bare minimum, uh, parties are required to exchange, you know, these certain records. Well, okay, what if uh, happens if a party just refuses? They don't, they ignore you, they say no. How can you make the other party do this? Typically, what you would have to do in that situation is seek the court to compel their compliance. So essentially, you're going to the court and you're telling a judge, you know, judge, I've complied with my requirements, but the other party has failed to turn over their discovery records. And the court will require that the other party do so, or they will impose sanctions. What I imagine this is the question you get all the time is, well, what what? information. I mean, you know, give me some specifics. What, what do I have to, during this statutory requirement process, provide? You know, what kind of things do I have to show, find and show them? Typically, uh, it's one to three years worth of tax records. So your income tax returns, your W-2 statements, um, all schedules and attachments that go along with your tax filings, your income records, 12 months worth of bank statements, current statements for all retirement or debt, 
as well as a handful of other, you know, records along those same lines. So you are trying to disclose this is everything that is in existence at the time that I'm seeking the dissolution of my marriage. And these are, you know, the account transactions or, or occurrences that have occurred for the period prior to filing the dissolution of marriage or, or legal separation filing. And this includes, it sounds like they're trying to get not just property that each person owns, but also the income. So I'm assuming that this information is important to get to be able to actually resolve the case. Both, you know, there's child support, there's spouse support, there's property division, the whole ball of wax. Yes, exactly. Even in cases where support is not an issue, uh, it's necessary to disclose those those financial records, those income records, to kind of verify that support's not an issue, um, especially when children aren't involved. And so we really do want to see a kind of a broad scope image of of assets and liabilities involved in a case, um, as well as things like insurance policies. I think it's important to provide that information in the financial records to really let your legal team or the other party know what is involved in this uh, dissolution or, or legal separation. Is it often you get a question, how do I find these? Where do I actually get this information from? Uh, yes, often it can be. Uh, it can come up. Um, I think now that we're a bit more technology based, a lot of people find it easier to log into their accounts online or on mobile and download statements that can then be provided. Um, but sometimes these records do require a bit of digging and you need to contact third parties uh, to obtain copies, whether it is a banking institution contacting uh, the tax agencies, um, requesting information you know, from your employer related to your income if you don't keep your earning statements. Um, so sometimes, yes, you do have to do a little bit of work to obtain and provide these records. You said copies. So it made me kind of think. So I don't have to provide you originals. I don't have to give you original deeds or something like that. It is my hope that you do not do that. You know, for for my cases, for my clients, I always recommend that they provide us with electronic copies. Uh, that's ultimately what we're going to be working with and providing since we're a paperless office. But we don't want your originals and you shouldn't be giving originals to the other party, except in very specific circumstances when it's the appropriate stage to do so, um, such as a vehicle title when, you know, at the end of a case, you're signing it over to the other party. Uh, you, you really want to maintain your original documents and just provide copies to your legal team and the other side as appropriate. This initial, you know, statutory discovery, what does it lead to or can it lead to? I mean, you, you said there's other stuff that, that your attorney can ask for, but, but what's the, you know, what can that lead to? Can, if I give them something, can they call me in and have me talk about it? It's, where can all that kind of stuff go in terms of discovering stuff? Yes, that's absolutely right. So oftentimes we're using discovery as the initial tool to provide information. Uh, sometimes it can lead to more questions and answers. And so we might need to, uh, file a notice of deposition to to take uh, the deposition of another party on the record to ask them questions about, you know, their their account transactions or um, their income to better understand 
what those records, um, what information they entail and provide. Sounds like if both parties do this, there's got to be, it's got to help make it easier to, to resolve the case, to actually negotiate, because at least everybody knows what's out there. That's absolutely right. One of the things that I see most often is that cases are prolonged due to discovery issues. Uh, one party might believe that there are additional accounts that exist or, you know, reviewing bank statements, you see that additional accounts exist, but records weren't provided for those other accounts. And so more time and frankly, money is spent trying to go after that information and records. Um, and that can get to the extent where your legal team has to subpoena those records directly from an institution to verify that what you've disclosed is actually accurate. Um, so, you know, one thing that I always recommend to my clients is that, you know, being um, forthcoming and honest and upfront about all accounts that exist, you know, in the beginning of a case and disclosing those records to your legal team is going to save you a lot of time and money down the line. What if I don't have something? Um, it just, I don't have it. I mean, they want it. I don't have it. I don't have this deed or I don't have that title or I don't have that W-2. Um, Often that's not too much of a problem. Um, what's important is that you tell your attorney or your legal team that it exists. Um, and, and why maybe you don't have a copy of it. Um, so it might be a situation where you only have one deed to your house and the other party possesses it. And you can tell your legal team that that's the case and that a deed would exist. Um, we often have tools and options uh, for ways that we can obtain those on your behalf. Um, so just making sure that we understand what does exist and what doesn't exist is an important piece of the statutory discovery process. Is the stuff I get, I'm gonna say confidential, Meaning it maybe goes to the other side, but I mean, is, is it, can someone take my bank statement and run around and say, okay, this person has $482,000 in their, this bank account? I would like to say that uh, that wouldn't or shouldn't happen in cases where there is a concern about your records being disclosed. Uh, you'll want to talk to your legal team about getting a protective order in place. And that document is going to protect those records and how they can be used or disclosed. It's not in every case that those are necessary, but if you have concerns about, you know, the other party disclosing your records, it's really important to tell your legal team on the front end that you would like to look into getting a protective order for your records. Finally, last question about money. You know, you hear a lot about, wow, you spent my money early, and it was a lot of it was getting discovered. And, and it, but it seems to me that that not getting discovery is going to make a case take longer and cost more in the end. That's absolutely right. Um, you know, often uh, if you disclose everything at once, you are going to see a, a larger chunk of time that your legal team has spent working through those records or providing those records. Uh, 
But usually doing, you know, sitting down and doing it in one instance, you are saving a substantial amount of time versus, you know, multiple times a week having to touch on this issue or process additional records or disclose, you know, piecemeal documents to the other side. So, you know, discovery is is certainly one of the more expensive pieces of a case, but it can be done in a cost effective manner. And that's really by disclosing everything on the front end providing your team with the information they've asked for or explaining when things aren't in your possession or in your control. So don't drag your feet. Yes, please. <laughs> that's that's a great message. I like that message. Well, thank you for joining us today. It's been really, really helpful. I, I Getting the ideas about discovery, financial discovery, what it is, going through it, I think that is one of the more trepidatious things people have going in, you know, do I have to really do this and why I have to do this? And so talking about it, explaining it, that was really helpful. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, Steve. You bet. And thank you everyone else for joining us today. If anyone has further questions, feel free to contact our firm. We can get you connected. Someone can help. Stay safe, stay happy, and be well. This has been Modern Family Matters, a legal podcast focusing on providing real answers and direction for individuals and families. Our podcast is sponsored by Landerholm Family Law and Pacific Cascade Family Law, serving families in Oregon and Washington. If you are in need of legal counsel or have additional questions about a family law matter important to you, please visit our websites at landerholmlaw.com or PacificCascadeFamilyLaw.com. You can also call our headquarters at 503-227-0200 to schedule a case evaluation with one of our seasoned attorneys. Modern Family Matters, advocating for your better tomorrow and offering legal solutions important to the modern family.